Welcome to a very holly jolly edition of the Read Podcast, brought to you by the glorious nerds behind New York Comic Con, C2E2, Emerald City Comic Con, and many other fine shows. I'm your host, Stewie Hunsinger. In our first act, we'll sit down with our own resident Santa Clauses, Chris Delando, the content coordinator for C2E2, and our own Wendy's Chicken Nugget enthusiast, and Mike Miller, the master and curator for our Artist Alley, and a part-time robot fighter. They'll be telling you some of the gifts our own Read Pop staff is wishing for this holiday season, as well as talking about some of the things they'd love to see under their tree. Coming up next. Welcome! So today in the studio, we are greeted by Chris and Mike. Thank you guys so much for joining us in the Read Podcast studio for the very first time. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Of course. Um, So I'm hoping to get uh, a little bit of an origin story from you guys. So if you guys could just go tell me, you know, your name, what you do, and and a little cool tidbit about yourself for the Read Podcast community. Uh, yeah, so I am um, I'm Crystal Lando. I, I work on our lovely Chicago show C2E2 on the content side. So I help put together all the cool panels and programming that you come to see at our show. And uh, I'm fairly new to the Repop family. I've been here about six months, um, but I'm excited to talk about some holiday gifts. I'm Mike Miller. I uh, am the Comic Talent Coordinator for Repop. Uh, that means I work on all of our domestic comic shows, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, C2E2 New York Comic Con and the upcoming Keystone Comic Con. Uh, if you enjoy Artist Alley, uh, that's a, a thing I am behind. So if you'll see my fingers in, in that particular area. Really cool. So glad to have you guys here. Um, so we work in an industry that is, you know, kind of surrounded by stuff. I feel like we go to our shows and, you know, we walk around the office and we just see, we see stuff everywhere. I mean, we love our toys. We love our comic books. We love our games. Um, it's really just the world that we live in. Uh, so I'm hoping you guys can kind of guide us on the, uh, the holiday wish list, as it were, of the kind of read pop HQ. What sort of stuff... Uh, is everyone talking about that they really want for the holidays? What kind of stuff are you guys really like keyed up about for uh, under your own personal Christmas trees? Uh, let's start with stock- talking about everyone's favorite toys. Well, I I mean we're we're uh, both big Lego fans in the yeah. office. Um, among many Lego fans in the office, I think if you saw a picture of Mike Miller's desk, you would know very very quickly that he's a Lego fan. So. We spoke to a couple people around the office, and there were a couple of um, submissions for really cool holiday Lego gifts um, this let's, year. Go ahead. Let's let's start with the uh, the holiday train suggested by Ryan Will from the New York team. Um, the the holiday train. I love any of the Lego holiday stuff. It's like a great kind of way to get festive because you build your decoration for the holiday, and then you know at the end you just take it apart put it in a Ziploc bag with the instructions, save it till next year and bring it back out. Uh, it's always like a nice little new new wave holiday tradition that I think a lot of people can enjoy. Plus, you know, like trains are a very holiday festive decoration. So, and I mean, it, it's kind of takes the place of that, you know, dusty old train set that you have st- sitting around in your attic. 
Very true. Uh, and then recommended, here's our big ticket item. Um, recommended by the big boss man himself, Lance. This is the biggest Lego set ever made. It's the Lego Millennium Falcon from the Ultimate Collector Series. Uh, seven minifigures, three buildable critters, a BB-8, and over 7,500 pieces. So how much does something like that cost? That is a $800 item. Wow. That That's is, insane. And like the amount of time, uh, I one of my friends picked this up, who's an avid Lego fan, and it took him... Uh, over a week to build. That's insane. This is this is uh this is the this is for the dedicated Lego fan in your life. Not just the casual Lego fan, but the the very serious eight hundred dollar Lego fan. You also need to have like a place to put that thing. It's it's big. It's like the size of a coffee table. Yeah. It actually would be really cool to make it a coffee table. To build it and put like a piece of glass over it. You got a nice little coffee table there. Like a, a like nice a little... shadow box kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool. a bad idea. And, of course, we live in the world of comic books and books. So what sort of books is everyone kind of geeking out over? Well, this is another suggestion from Ryan Will on the on the New York Comic Con team. But uh, Ryan suggested a copy of um, Ernest Cline's amazing novel, Ready Player One. And uh, it couldn't be a better time to give a copy of Ready Player One to the nerd in your life for Christmas, especially as we are somewhat on the eve of the Steven Spielberg movie coming out in March. Um, basically, the gist of Ready Player One is it takes place not too far in the distant future, but human beings kind of live inside of a virtual reality simulation. And uh, without getting into too many specifics, the uh, our main character kind of is sent off on an adventure through this virtual reality world, but it's chock full of pop culture references, movie characters, a lot of things that you're familiar with. And if you've seen the trailer for the movie, I mean, you will get a sense of that right away. I mean, the Iron Giant shows up, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, there's music from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's a it's a plethora of references for the nerd in your life. So um, I actually, I can't recommend this book high, highly enough. It, it goes quickly. You will read it in probably a couple days because it's really that kind of a, a gripping experience and uh, I'm hoping to revisit it again before the movie comes out. All right. Um, our second recommendation here is from uh, Eddie Raymond on the C2E2 team. He recommends the Whiteout Compendium and uh, I don't I don't know if, if any of you have read Whiteout, but I have and it is a fantastic story. Uh, a lot of our fans are going to be familiar with uh, the, the creators, the writer and uh, is Greg Rucka and the artist is Steve Lieber and they'll be familiar with Greg Rucka from a lot of his superhero work or maybe his image book Lazarus uh, but he is he he's really done a lot of really great detective stories and really a lot of really great like crime and spy stories so he's got a whole other area of stuff and Whiteout is is from that it's uh, from a ways back but they just released a new deluxe hardcover of it it's beautiful um, and then a lot of people will be familiar with Steve Lieber from uh, his time on uh, more humorous books, such as Superior Foes of Spider-Man or The Fix. The best. Yeah, and he's great. But he's also great at the serious stuff, too, which you'll see if you pick up Whiteout. You'll get this a murder mystery in Antarctica at the bottom of the world. It sounds terrifying. Yep, and it's, it's a tremendous read, and I, I recommend it as well. Um, and and so this next this next book recommend comes directly from your boy Chris Delando, um, and uh, it's it's a a shout out to uh, a comic creator I'm a really big fan of Scotty Young, and uh, his his image book I Hate Fairyland just came out in a deluxe hardcover. So 
for those of you who don't know, um, the way comic books are printed, essentially, you go and you buy a, a paperback in the store. It'll have, you know, five issues. Um, this one is a hardcover and it has ten. So it's collecting the first ten issues of his I Hate Fairyland series, which, if you're not familiar with his work, Scotty is responsible for those cutesy Marvel baby-looking covers that you see everywhere. They get passed around the Internet. And he, he's, he's a really phenomenal cartoonist. And this is kind of um, him going way in the different direction. So it's still got a really cute cartoony style, but it's overly violent and uh, humorous and kind of like a dark Looney Tunes fairy tale type thing. Picture the story as if um, Dorothy went to Oz and never got old. So she went at, she went to Oz as a kid, but now she's in her 40s and is just so over it and, and, and doesn't want to be there anymore. But she's surrounded by all these cute, colorful characters and um, havoc and violence ensue. So um, it's one of those kinds of stories that really could only be done in a comic book. And, and it, it's a, a very enjoyable read for the adult in your life. I would not give this book to a kid. <laughs> I was actually gifted a copy of I Hate Fairyland uh from mighty mike negan and it's um i am always a fan of an adorable little girl like wielding a bloody axe that's kind of like my stigma that's like who i am inside so i think uh if, if that sounds good to you uh you're gonna want to check this out speaking of of mighty mike negan um our next recommendation comes from him um I'm sitting across the table from Mike Miller, who's wearing a 40th anniversary Star Wars t-shirt. That I am. 2017 is the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. And um, Del Rey put out a really, really great book called From a Certain Point of View. And it's a it's a really interesting Star Wars anthology. And, uh, and how many stories are in this anthology, Chris? 40. 40 stories to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. It is 40, right? I was I was just guessing. <laughs> I haven't it, gotten it to the end of it. 100% is 40. <laughs> I haven't gotten to the I end I hope of everyone can keep up with the math. <laughs> so are there different authors that contribute these 40 stories? Yeah, so it's it's 40 short stories. And when I say short, I mean short. They're five pages, you know, or in that area. But they, they pulled in a lot of big names um, from pop culture, but also Star Wars history, Star Wars novels, Star Wars comics. So you've got stuff like a story by Gary Whitta who did um, the screenplay for Star Wars Rogue One. You've got a story by Joss Whedon. You've got stuff from some of the Marvel Comics creators like Charles Soule and Kieran Gillen and a bunch of the um, the, the Star Wars authors who do the, the novels, Claudia Gray, John Jackson Miller. Um, and they're really, it bounces around to different characters and different settings and different time periods. And um, it reads like a love letter to Star Wars on its 40th birthday. Aw, and so appropriate uh, with it being Star Wars week here. Um, it's just, uh, it's it's a good time for Star Wars all the time. Guys, guys, do you know what time it is? What time is it's it? It's time to get excited and talk about one of my favorite comics from the last <laughs> few years that I don't think gets nearly the amount of love it should. Uh, this recommendation, of course, comes from me, Mike Miller, and it is Resident Alien. Uh, I specifically su- suggest you start with volume one. There's a miniseries pretty much once a year. It is a great story for the fan of detective stories in your life, for the fan of weird stories in your life. It's, I describe it as Diagnosis Murder meets Roswell. Um, it's uh, by longtime comic veterans, uh, Peter Hogan and Steve Parkhouse, uh, guys who, if you're familiar with UK comics or uh, Vertigo comics from back in the day, you will you will be familiar with. And it is the story of an alien stranded on Earth 
who hides himself outside the town of Patience, Washington, as a retired doctor. Uh, unfortunately, the town's current doctor gets murdered, which, of course, means he has to come out of retirement, and because it's a murder mystery, he has to figure out who done it. Uh, and it's it's truly a tremendous uh, take on, on your typical murder mystery stories by adding the sci-fi element, uh, and it's very fascinating and, and very enjoyable. Uh, and there's currently four miniseries out right now. So if if you get this for someone and they like the first one, they can then go out and get three more volumes to get their fix. I can't recommend it enough. I'm sold. All right. Uh, for this next one, I know I know Halloween's over, but uh, there's a there's a spooky gift coming out for Christmas if you have an art fan in your life, uh, and that would be one of the tremendous idw artist editions chris do you want to tell us what an artist edition is so um the way comic art is produced is um they're drawn typically uh, a comic book size is what it's less than a sheet of paper it's about seven inches by ten where a normal sheet's eight and a half by eleven um comic book artwork is produced on giant boards at 11 11 inches by 17 so like a small poster essentially Um, and then it's shrunk down when it's printed so an artist edition is they print the comics at the from they take the original boards and they scan the original artwork and they produce the story at the size it was originally drawn so you have a gigantic version of a comic book Um, and the cool thing about it is especially if you're an art fan is you can see a lot of the things that were constructed on the art, the way the lettering was placed, tape marks on the boards, little notes in the margin. Um, it's all you, in the original pencils and yeah. inks. Notes for the colorist, notes for the inkers, um, even notes for the for the writer. You know, word balloon goes here kind of stuff. Um, they're really interesting, yeah. and, and there's a new one coming out that is very exciting. Yeah, and IDW has done a tremendous job of partnering with other publishers to put out artist editions of some of their, you know, truly amazing works and in this case we're talking about the tomb of dracula uh back in the 70s marvel had a a horror comic that was written by marv wolfman with art by gene Collin, and it's uh this collects uh five stories from that from that run of tomb of dracula uh and it really shows off the spooky atmospheric art of gene Collin. uh and it's truly truly great stuff it's it's very like uh, you get a lot of like Dracula turning into animals, and it's like uh, just the just the transitions between that, the way they're handled, is is really groundbreaking stuff, especially for the time. And we really don't see a comic that's like this anymore. Uh, this kind of art style is kind of not not really used a lot, but it's it's truly tremendous to see here, especially uh, with the original pencils by Gene and the the inks by Tom Palmer. I can't recommend this enough if you have someone who's like a big art fan in your life. Or if you, or if someone, you know, likes like coffee table books, like yeah. these make perfect They're coffee, perfect table, coffee books. table books. I, I actually have a bunch in rotation mm. serving as my coffee table books to make people think I'm smart. Um, <laughs> You're very smart, Mike. I, 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 you have good taste in comic books. See, it works. Um, let's, let's go on to, uh, I think we can both talk about this one. Uh, it's Curse Words, Volume 2. So, Curse Words is a new series uh, from Image Comics that started this year by um, creators Charles Soule and Chicago local Ryan Brown. Um, and do you want to give a little rundown about what the book is about in, in so many words? It's about an evil wizard who was sent to conquer the Earth and decided he didn't want to because he liked it. 
He's pretty into the earth. So he and his uh, sidekick, who's a talking koala bear. You uh, like that, Leslie? I love talking koalas. I like regular koalas, but the ones that talk are way better. Uh, they uh, they decide to just kind of post up on Earth, uh, and eventually they have to end up defending it from the incursions of the evil uh, overlord who sent them to conquer. Earth. And he just kind of becomes like a magician for hire. He just kind of like opens up yep. a PI shop, and it's like, oh, you need some magic done? I got you. That's gonna be five hundred bucks, kind of yep. a thing. And so it, it it's funny and it's weird and it's out there. And again, it's like one of those things that you really only really works in comics and i mean yeah. that as the highest compliment yeah and it's it's tremendous fun all right so let's talk about games i mean games are perfect to play during the holiday season so what kind of games is everyone in the read pop family super excited for so uh the snes classic just came out uh and if you're not familiar that is a essentially a console with a bunch of preloaded super nintendo games from back in the day that you just plug into your tv and can play uh, we could sit here and tell you about Star Fox and Mario Kart and all that, but I think Chris and I both would have the same answer as to the best thing on this, which is Earthbound. Earthbound. Earthbound is yeah. one of the greatest games of all if time. If you love RPGs, pick this thing up just because you can get Earthbound for 80 bucks. Yeah, yeah I mean, that game alone bucks. is like what, like $300 if yeah. you really wanted a cartridge. Yeah, it, if you so. want the cartridge of Earthbound, it's so much. Uh, and it's it's one of the best RPGs ever made. I love it. Chris loves it. It's weird. Here we go with the weird again. We're always telling you about the weird stuff. We're weirdos. But it's, it's, it's fun, and, and it's it's one of my, like, I still have fond memories of it. I I will play it every chance I get, so. But even beyond that, I mean, the Super Nintendo's library is some of the best oh, yeah, games there's, of all time. There's, you can get them all. You can get all the classics here, and, and really, in just like one nice package, it goes, plugs right into your TV, and you've got them all right there. Yeah, and there's, like, 30 games on here. It's amazing. If you have if you're if you have an an old school video game fan in your life, they're gonna like, they're gonna dig this gift. And uh, so, I had a recommendation on here um, for the tabletop fan in your life. So, I have a Christmas tradition. It's actually a year round tradition, but I specifically watch this movie at Christmas because it takes place in the snow. And I'm talking about John Carpenter's masterpiece of a movie, The Thing. It's one of my favorite films of all time. And Mondo just came out with a board game called Infection at Outpost Thirty One. And for those of you who've never seen the movie. Highly recommended, but the basic gist is um, an alien infiltrates a scientific research base out in Antarctica, but it's a shapeshifter, takes the takes the shape of the scientists, and there's a lot of paranoia, and you know you don't know who the alien is. So uh, Mondo com- wonderfully replicated this in a board game where you you and a squad of your friends kind of have to escape this base, but one of you is infected, and one of you is kind of working against the rest of the players, um, and it's. It's a fun game, but it's especially fun if you're a fan of the movie. So I highly recommend picking it up. Sounds like a fun time to accuse your friends of being an alien. Oh, yeah. We played it and we got into a massive fight because uh, one of our friends ruined the whole thing for us. So Just like you should at Christmas. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to talk about uh, something spectacular that came out this year. I can't – like. Man, you all thought you saw me get hyped before. I'm about to get just wild here. Um, 2017 was a real good year for video games. Uh, ask anybody you know, and they'll be like, yeah, it was good. Yeah, one of the best in, in the last two decades, at least. So many good games. And uh, the one I'm going to talk about is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And even in this year of just, like, so many amazing games, this was hands down my favorite game of the year. I'm talking about Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, this is, it is f- 
like the first thing you'll notice is it is a beautiful game. This this is a game that really puts all of our high technology next gen graphics and and really puts them to use to build something truly amazing. Um, it's to describe the gameplay, it's like Assassin's Creed and Turok had a baby that you didn't know that you wanted them to have until you saw it. Um, essentially, this is a game set in a post-apocalyptic Earth where you are from a tribe of people who hunt robot machi- like machine animals for parts. Uh, and that's kind of like the most basic thing. And you kind of uncover more about the world. You explore... Uh, you kind of are going through and you learn new ways to fight enemies and, and new ways to like uncover secrets. Uh, it's very exciting. It's, it's a very challenging game, but it rewards you for thinking. It rewards you for like planning your next move. Uh, it rewards you very well for just, just putting a lot of thought into how you're playing the game and how you proceed. Uh, and it's, and it never feels empty. Everything feels purposeful, uh, which is one of the, like, it, it was one of the most fulfilling gaming experiences I've had in years. Uh, the DLC just came out, Beyond the Frozen Wilds, and it's it was fantastic as well. Uh, this this game will not leave you wanting. I'm an Xbox kid, and I'm really jealous I can't play this. So. Yeah, like like I love it so much. If you if you can afford it, pick up the PlayStation just to get this game. It's real good. Cool. Um, and so let's end it on. Um a theatrical note because everybody loves movies so what kind of movies are people hyped for all right i got one recommendation for this it's spider-man homecoming on blu-ray i know i know another spider-man movie another spider-man this kid is the best spider-man we have ever had fight me i will fight you back it's he is so good he is peter parker it's pitch perfect and it's so cool that we have like a young kid playing spider-man it's a great movie it's a great story it is the best Spider-Man movie we've ever had. Of the of the, I guess this is what the sixth live-action Spider-Man movie in the past 15 years. This blows them all out of the water, and that's even before you get into the whole like Robert Downey yeah. Jr. is in it as as Iron Man, and Michael Keaton plays an amazing villain. Let's, like, let's pause right there because uh, you know who one of my least favorite Spider-Man villains is in the comics? The Vulture. The Vulture. Pretty lame. If the vulture shows up, you're like, oh, is this is this is this just like a throwaway story? This is, is this not matter? Geriatric like, bird man. Michael Keaton's vulture? Like the story they told with him and the way he he tells that story, amazing. He is one of my favorite Marvel Universe villains in the movies. It's it's oh, yeah, night totally. and day. And like by making him kind of this like blue collar business owner guy, like they really just kind of changed the whole dynamic of the character. And he was he was superb in it. Like, like it's easy to it's easy for people to kind of go to the Birdman jokes, um, but that's very like surface level similarities. Like this is truly a spectacular performance from from him and from Tom Holland too. I mean, like everyone in this movie really knocks it out of the park, and I I can't recommend it highly enough. Like, it's it's like um, it's like if the first Iron Man and a really great '80s John Hughes movie had a baby. Um, and I guess that's the best way that I can describe it. Coming up with a lot of weird baby analogies. Well, well weird season. baby analogies. A lot <laughs> so, of weird Christmas babies on the yeah. podcast today. Yeah. Awesome. So that, that's our recommendation. Get some weird Christmas babies for your friends and family. <laughs> Noted. Um, well, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast. Um, if there is anyone listening who really wants to pick your brain or get in touch with you, is there maybe Twitter they can find you at? 
Uh, I'm at the maimed man on Twitter. Uh, that's maimed as in mutilated. It's it's a literary reference. I'll tell you all about it if you want to ask. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Delando Calrissian. So like Lando Calrissian, but with a D in front of it. Very nice. Well, thank you guys so much for spreading some holiday cheer with us. Thank you. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy, Happy holidays, everybody. Happy Holland days. Happy. <laughs> nice. Holland days is a sauce. Thanks to Chris and Mike for being on the Read podcast. In our second act, I'll be hanging with my bud Emily Robillard, resident Gryffindor and fellow Christmas geek. We'll be taking a trip down memory lane and chatting about our own nostalgic Christmas wishes, as well as what fantasy worlds we dream to spend the holidays in. Coming up next. A big welcome back to Emily Robillard, who is uh, now a Read Pop veteran. Hi, guys. She's back in the studio with us, so thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, you know, no big deal. <laughs> um, so I was hoping you and I could take a little bit of a trip down memory lane and sort of into the fantasy world of what like kind of crazy holiday visions, sugar clubs, and all that we could come up with. Wow, I'm into it. It's really going to be a wild yeah, ride. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> You're not even prepared for how weird it's going to get. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's start by talking about the stuff that you just had to have as a little kid. Because I feel like, you know, of course, we're kind of like giant children. We work for Read Pop. We love, you know, toys and comic books and weird stuff. But, I mean, when you're a kid, you're, like, in that world. So what sort of toys and must-haves were on your Christmas list? It was like, if Santa doesn't give me this, I'm moving away. I'm running away from home. I'm packing my knapsack, and I'm leaving. Um, I. This is such a weird, like a hard question, but I feel like something that really sticks out in my mind is when I was a kid, I was kind of fascinated with the idea of being an adult. Like, just, like, the thought of, like, cooking was, like, really exciting to me. <laughs> but, like, so I wanted an Easy Bake Oven so <laughs> bad. And, like, the thought of, like, baking my own brownies with a light bulb was, like, really cool. Did that? Did the oven actually work? I, I really mean, no, I don't know. Like, I never got an Easy Bake you Oven. You never got your Easy Bake <laughs> Oven? I know. And, like, now, like, if you ask me to cook a meal for myself, I'm like, oh, why? Like, I don't understand why I was so into it as a kid or thought it was really cool. Like, well, clearly you never learned to cook with a light bulb, exactly. so now you have no desire to do it. I think that's what it is. I think, like, I'll, I leave the baking to read now, and <laughs> I, yeah, I never got an easy-bake oven, so now I can't cook as a real adult. So, yeah. But, I mean, in terms of other gifts, I, am, I feel like... Um, I was really into like games as a kid, like any type of board games or my brother always got video games so we would play those and it was like, even though it wasn't a gift to me, it was almost like I was kind of benefiting from it. I mean, so two player mode. Santa knew what was up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, I think um, I remember getting like, you know, Monopoly and Yahtzee as a kid and like Sorry and all those mm -hmm. and I just loved playing them with my family like by the tree and like by the fire so even though I didn't get my easy bake oven I did get some other cool stuff from Santa <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so what was the best toy store experience that you have ever had? Uh, the best toy store experience. I feel like toy, like do toy stores even exist anymore? <laughs> I feel like since the, uh, since Amazon, it's just like, I feel like toy stores don't even exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, it's kind of depressing though. Cause you watch a movie like big or like right home alone too right and you're like i need to go into a toy store right now and play with a giant piano right <laughs> <laughs> i grew up in rhode island so we didn't have like the the fancy fao schwartz and like all these cool toy stores we just had like the toys R us down the road <laughs> <laughs> um but i remember like i remember going there with my aunt one year and she pretty much was like buy whatever you want like you know like and i had no concept of money at the time so i was like wow this is amazing i'll take a bike i'll take this and she was like okay buy one thing and <laughs> it has to be like small wow <laughs> so i remember like just being able to like go in and kind of roam around and you know it, like see all the barbies and everything but then like i also like really loved hot wheels as a kid <laughs> so like I, I like and nerf guns like my brother and i always played with nerf guns um, so I remember like just roaming around being like, I have no idea how to decide what to choose right now. It's so, so overwhelming when you're presented with all the options yeah. to be able to pick just one. And of course you really should have picked that easy bake oven. I know, I know. <laughs> it's coming back to bite you. It really was. I remember it was between like a Barbie where you could cut its hair off or a Nerf gun and I chose the Nerf gun. I mean, really any Barbie you can cut its hair off. I know, that's to true. Be real. I learned that later <laughs> on in life. <laughs> I learned that I learned that maybe too late in life. That's like a, a life hacker tip right there. Pro tip, you can cut any Barbie hair. Fair, that's fair. Fun fact. Um, so do you bring any of your pop culture love into your holiday decorations at all? Uh, so I have to admit something. I'm not like super into holiday decorations. Like I love a good tree. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I love sitting by a fire next to a nice tree. But like, I, like I just I don't have it in me to like put up a tree by myself. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It really is. So like I feel like in theory, I love the idea of like transforming my home into Hogwarts, but in reality, I buy like a set of string lights and like hang them up on the wall for like a few months just for the mood lighting. I really like the mood lighting. They stay up until June the next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really yeah. need these lights now. <laughs> right, yeah. I feel like Reed Pop doesn't give me much time to be home decorating a tree, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I just have to, like, wait until I go home to my parents' house for, for all of the Christmas festivities. Yeah. But I do have a nice candle that smells like Christmas tree that I light all the time. So. I mean, that's, that's, like, the same it's thing. It's really just, like, different senses. Like, maybe not the visuals, but definitely the smell and the feeling, you know, cheer. <laughs> the, the heartwarming feeling. Exactly. Well, all you have to do is, like... Put on your Netflix fireplace scene on your exactly. TV, and yes. then you know, put your hands over a candle. And yeah, put I on mean, the... it really always feels like holiday cheer in my apartment. <laughs> you should come over. It's I great love time. It. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> um, so, what sort of holiday TV specials did you love, or movies were you obsessed with when you were oh, growing up? Oh man, I loved Muppet Christmas Carol, and I still do. I literally watch it at least three times a year. 
I know most of the lines, definitely all of the song lyrics. And I actually watched it a couple of weeks ago with my parents, and my mom kept telling me to shut up because I was saying all of the lines, and she just wanted to listen to the movie. You are one of those people. I'm one of those people, but like only with movies that like I'm. I know that I know. Or, like I can't help it. Like, it's like you're watching it by yourself, and you have no regard yes, for the people watching but it. But like, <laughs> but it's Muppet Christmas. Like everybody's seen it. Like when Gonzo and Rizzo, like, come on. I mean, I actually saw it for the first time a couple years ago. Wow, you're breaking my heart. So it's really, (laughs) I'm kind of a sad story. I used to have it on VHS, and then I watched it so much that the VHS wore out. (laughs) And then um, I had it on DVD, but I don't know what happened to it. But, like, if anybody used to watch it as a kid, they used to have this really long scene in the middle of, like, uh, Scrooge breaking up with his girlfriend and like it was this long drawn out song and it was the most boring song of all time and then they cut it in the new one and I like was kind of, I kind of missed it I was like what about the long boring part I miss being bored yeah <laughs> it was like a pride thing it was like wait a minute this isn't the whole movie <laughs> even I though remember. it was even though it was a terrible song and I don't think anyone liked it and that's probably why they cut it <laughs> um so if you had a magical machine, and you could spend the holidays in one fictional place, uh, where do you think it would be, and what would you do when you got there? I mean, I think anyone that knows me knows I would say Hogwarts, obviously. I mean, just for the feast alone, that food is like, it's never-ending, it looks amazing, everybody likes some pumpkin juice. Floating candles. Yeah, butter beers are flowing, you know, like, every, that's a good time. That is a good time. I mean, like, maybe not in year seven when Harry was there, like, probably not. But, like, the earlier days let's, seemed let's, nice. Or maybe, like, the later days when, like, you know, Lord Voldemort is destroyed. Right, and, right, know, right. Yeah, like, now it's fine. It's, it's fine now. Because <laughs> it's a real place. It totally is a real place. But, like, yeah, you can, like, kind of go to Hogsmeade on the weekends, you know. Like, I think that sounds fabulous. I mean, I don't know. Uh, doesn't Harry get, like, a really hideous sweater? I, hideous? Uh, I think you mean beautiful. Um, <laughs> I actually want one for Christmas <laughs> with a giant E on those. it. See, I think they might. I actually feel like they do. Um, I just remember the sweater being, like, horrible. But, like, there are, there are like, chambers that always look so cozy. Every, it's like a fire everywhere. Yeah. It I do love, like, really all cool. of the, like, winding staircases. Yeah, right? Like, candle-lit, like, hallways that are kind of spooky, but at Christmas they're fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> exciting at Christmas. Yeah. We might die, but it's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's more festive at Christmas. If you're going to die, it might as well be on Christmas. Right, right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Um, so if you could get one magical item for the holidays, any magical pretend fictional item, uh, what would you choose and what would you do with it? Ooh. Hmm. Um, I would get a cloak of invisibility and I would spy on all the people buying me Christmas presents so I would know what I was getting at the time. You could do so much with it, and you're like, I'm just going to spy on people buying me presents. I just feel like I would, like, see my friends and follow them to the mall. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, kind of help them guide along, but, like, invisibly. (laughs) People are like, what? Is that the wind? Like, what's that sound? No, no, that's not. I wouldn't do that. Is that Emily laughing behind me? Why don't I see anything? (laughs) I just love the idea of being invisible because you get to, like, because I always do, like, that tap on the shoulder thing, but then I'm on the other side and people turn around on the wrong side, it which I think works. is I think it's hilarious, but Never nobody else old. does. <laughs> but I feel like I could do that as an invisible person 
like and it would work every single time and I wouldn't even have to go on the wrong shoulder I could do it on the shoulder I was standing on and your friends would slowly start to go crazy right right they so would all get committed one by I one I apologize in advance <laughs> because if I get an invisibility cloak for Christmas yeah it's happening <laughs> there's so much you could do with that yeah um yeah I feel like it would be just fun I don't know probably creepy too don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so what celebrity would you want to spend the holidays with if you could pick any celebrity? Ooh. Um, I mean, I, this is going to be a weird answer. I, I think it would be Tom Hanks. Tom <laughs> Hanks? It's very random, but I follow Tom Hanks on Instagram, and he has one of my favorite Instagrams because he literally just posts, like, pictures of, gloves and different things that people have left behind in the streets of New York City as like a way to like raise awareness like maybe it's somebody's glove that follows him and like maybe they could find it like I think that's so endearing and I just think he's probably like a really nice jolly man oh that's so sweet he's like his own lost and found yeah and so like I feel like we could just like roam around New York and like find missing gloves and take pictures of them together I maybe in that. the snow. Maybe it's snowing. Like, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I believe Tom Hanks would be a great guy. To right? Like, like, I just feel like he'd be super nice and yeah. just, like, really chill. And he's, like, he's like a jolly old dad. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he seems endearing. He's, he's a good choice. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um, so thank you so much to Emily for being here on the Read Podcast and talking about all things holiday and Festivus with us. You're welcome. Did you? We didn't touch on Festivus. Thanks to Emily for hanging out with me. And from everyone here at Read Pop, we want to wish you and yours a very happy holiday season and a wonderful new year. Bye.